morning. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Father, that you would help me to speak your words, that your spirit would speak through me, a mere man of unclean lips, as Isaiah would say. That it would not be my words. It would be nothing about me, but only about you and the word. Because what we're reading today are words from you. Be with us, Lord. Give us your spirit. Send the enemy away from us that we may worship you and hear what you have for us to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've had a number of challenges this morning. I know it's secular and I have all this trivia in my head what comes to mind is a Clint Eastwood movie. Heartbreak Ridge. Anybody know that one? What's his mantra? I had to look it up myself and I'll probably forget it. It's, uh, uh, adapt, improvise, overcome. <laughs> well, that's how the world sees it, but that's kind of what we're doing this morning, so we're, we're adapting a little bit. Well, isn't that life? It never goes according to plan. And uh, sometimes that's wonderful, sometimes not. To say that the past few weeks have been an emotional roller coaster would be the understatement of the world. <laughs> um, and as pa I had thought about this passage for quite a while. Uh, before all the events and because I really love God's word and you know I uh, hash over the words a lot because uh, they're important to me and um, I, I want God to speak through that. Brian was telling me a story this morning I'm going to tell, tell a little story. Paul's, little Paul's going to help me this morning. He's going to help us with our benediction and Brian told me he asked for his own Bible. He did not want a children's Bible. He wanted a real Bible. So show him what you got Paul. And it's got his name on it. Isn't that cool? I think that's great. And I told him, stick with the words. You can't go wrong. And that's what I hope to do today. So I want to read from Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I've already made my apologies, apologies to Dan Byers because I'm not reading out of the RSV, his official Bible. And we had a good chuckle about it. I hear him chuckling now. So... Uh, so I invite you to turn to Isaiah 55. The words are on the screen, and uh, you're welcome to use your devices or whatever. It doesn't matter as long as you're into the word. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. This is God's word. As I said, I've been thinking about this passage for a while anyway. I I really love the Old Testament. I, I know some people uh, think it, it's not worth reading. They think, well, I'm going to stick to the New Testament. Would it surprise you to know that we're the ones that divided that. We're the ones that put Old Testament, New Testament on there. It's all the word of God or God's word. And we're the ones that put the chapters and the verses in it. And if you're careful to read the Old Testament, you'll see Jesus there in every book. Now, some people look at the Old Testament and they say, that's a different God. He's the mean God. That's the mean God. And the New Testament is the really nice God. Can I just share with you? It's the same God. If you read it, if you really read it, you'll see he is the same. First part of Isaiah. Yes, there's judgment in there. But it's for... It's not like they didn't know, okay? The northern kingdom has already been taken over by the Assyrians because they didn't obey God. You don't follow God, God eventually loses his patience and he's going to execute his justice. And it was for their own good, really. The same thing is about to happen to the southern kingdom. So if you read the first part of Isaiah, you know, God does chastise them, but he also gives them hope. He talks about Cyrus, who hasn't even been born yet. Later on, when they're in the captivity, I think it's Nehemiah, someone can look that up, that goes to him, and, and, and Cyrus helps them restore Jerusalem. So yes, he's going to have judgment on them, but he's going to restore them. If you always look in the Old Testament, you've got to ask the question, if he knew he was going to exile them, why did he send them a prophet telling them to change their ways, and that he is there. And that's what we have in this last half of Isaiah. I kind of think that's a loving God, don't you? He hasn't given up on anybody. But like all good parents, we have to correct our children now and then, right? 
Or what happens if we don't? Oh, Lord. Uh, Mark and I have driven school buses. We talk about that. We know about kids that uh, just run off and do whatever they want. It's a nightmare. But I have learned that when I discipline those kids on there, for some reason, they become my best friend. I cannot explain it. They're looking for direction. So let's look at the text today. The first thing I'm impressed by is says, everyone who thirsts. I want to stop there. I get thirsty all the time. I am thirsty right now. I could use a really nice, large fountain Pepsi right now. It would be great. So I don't know about you. What do you like with your favorite food? I think of uh, barbecue or pizza. It's the fountain Pepsi. I think of chili. It's ice cold milk. So we all thirst. It's not something that anybody here not thirsted? That's what I thought. So, but in this context, and, and uh, Tiffany kind of alluded to it, I don't think that's what God's talking about when he says, everyone who thirsts. What is it that you thirst for? We have our physical things, but what is it that you thirst for? What have you seen people thirst for? Let me give you some ideas. I've seen people that thirst after their career because they're looking for that to satisfy them. Now, Having a career, there's nothing wrong with that and being good at what you do. But the question is, is that the number one thing in your life? Some people, their thirst is for money. Money's going to solve all of their problems. The more I have, the more I'm just going to be satisfied. I remember there's a Reader's Digest uh, poll, and they asked people, how much money do you really need to be happy? Nearly everybody said just a little bit more. How many people have um, great wealth and at the end they go, I'm just really not satisfied? Some people will chase things. They will buy things. Those things are going to make them happy. You know, I really need that large house. Uh, I need to drive, drive the right car. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to live well. And Solomon would say the workman is worthy of his wages. That's fine. But... Is it an idol? That's the question. Back to the school bus thing. Um, I really enjoyed driving the, the grade school kids. They are so fun. And I was subbing her out, and I got to know them. And you have to wait till the bell rings to let them go. And so it was fun talking to them and joking around. And, and I did like what I'd do with my daughter. I'd make cartoon voices. I'm not going to uh, let you suffer through that one of those. Um, and it was just great. One day, as they were getting off the bus, the one fourth grade little girl stopped and looked at me. And she said to me, my daddy does not spend time with me. I wish he did. And then she walked off the bus, and I was stunned. And I go, I just want to take her home. Being a dad of a daughter, and I thought, what is that man thinking, that dad? And I'm thinking, I bet you he's chasing his career and the money because he thinks that's what his family really needs. And there's nothing wrong with providing for your family when men are like that. But he's missing it. All that little girl wanted was his time 
kids want your time. They don't need all that stuff. What do you thirst for? I want you to think about that. What it is that you truly thirst for. I have been guilty of some of those myself. Um, who hasn't? Uh, I think about what Pastor John said last week. Yeah, my flashlight. I love this flashlight. It's a mag light. Works well. It even works better when you put an LED bulb in it. And he talked about letting your light shine. Well, I got a question for you. What if you don't have any light in you? It's hard to shine if there's no light in you. God knows that about us. And so he talks about that. And he says, clearly, why do you spend money for what is not bread? Those, that's just a basic of life. Why? Why do you spend that? And your wages for, for things that don't satisfy. He says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Now, he's not been talking to his favorite dietitian. He's talking about what are you taking into yourself? And you notice he says, incline your ear and come to me and listen that you may live. There's only one satisfaction in life, and that is Christ in your life. And the person in charge needs to be Christ. Pastor John also talked about God gives us breath, and someday he's going to ask for that back. We're all too reminded lately how brief life is and how short it is. I don't know what my time is here on earth. I know I have less time than I did. I have more behind me than I do in front of me. I could live to be 100. I don't know. Neither, none of us know. What are you doing with your time? If you don't have Jesus, you need to consider that. He says, come to me. Seek me that, you, that I may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There will come a time when we will take a last breath or he will come back and we won't be able to make that decision. Some of you say, well, I'd like to make a decision for Christ, but I am satisfied. Everything's going great. I don't need him. That's your choice. God is not going to beat you over the head. He's not going to run after you and tell you, no, you're making a mistake. He didn't do that with a rich young ruler. He's not going to do that with us. Keep going sooner or later. I know you're going to run out of runway and you're going to say, that isn't very satisfying. But remember, time is short. Somewhere you're going to say, I recognize that I need God, but I'm really bad. I've done some really bad things. How can he forgive me? Isn't that the mean God and wants to bring judgment? He's ready to zap me. And the answer is no. That is a lie from the enemy. There isn't anything that you have done that God can't forgive. Think of it. The Old Testament, David committed adultery and then murder to cover it up. There were consequences for that. And he stewed about it for a year before Nathan told him about his sin. But then he wrote, I have sinned against you and you only. And he wrote a wonderful psalm about that. 
There were consequences for that, yes. But God forgave him because he recognized that he needed that. So there's nothing that you have done that God can't forgive. Some of you have that forgiveness, but you can't forgive yourself. God says, I'm enough for you. Go easier on yourself. I've forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. You need to find that. And then there's some of you who have had the light, and your light's dim or almost gone out because you haven't forgiven somebody else. You have a grudge. You have an unspoken problem that you haven't told people about because you don't want to talk about it with them. And you've become bitter and critical, gossipy, and really just tearing things apart. You need to talk to God about that. You're really damaging yourself. In this passage, what I see is that God is just dying to talk to you. And he did die for you on the cross. He's always been there and he always will be there. And thankfully, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not ways, not your ways. He has mercy. He has grace. He has forgiveness. And he's waiting for you to talk to him about it. There's something you have to do, though. You have to make a step. You have to move towards God. Let me illustrate this for you. My father was in the military. He joined at 17 because he was living in the hills of Kentucky on a farm. They didn't have any money. They had little food. And this was his way of getting out of that poverty. So he had grandma sign him up into the military, and he was in the Air Force. And I think it was at basic. I never really asked him. He told this story. And hard to believe I used to be skinny. And dad's like me. We're tall, and I think I weighed 150 pounds in high school. And dad's still thin. I wish I could follow him that. But anyway, he's in the mess hall, and he's got done eating, and he's hungry. The mess sergeant is over there. Clearly outranks him, because he's just what? Basic training, just a lowly airman. He goes up to that mess sergeant, and he says, Sergeant, I'm hungry. And the sergeant looks at him and says, What do you mean? You're hungry. He says, I'm hungry. You get back in that line, and you get yourself something to eat. Nobody leaves my mess hall hungry. What's the moral of that story? Dad had to make a move to somebody who clearly outranked him and ask, and what was that sergeant's response? I want to meet, I hope, I hope that guy's in heaven. I want to talk to him. He didn't say, well, where you been? Have you been a bad boy? No. He said, well, I as an African-American man and you're a white southerner, uh-uh, not going to do that. It's not what he said. He didn't ask anything about that. He said, you're hungry. Get back to the line. Nobody leaves my mess hall hungry. That's what God is saying to you. There isn't anything you can do that I won't send you back to the line that says, I have abundance for you. I have bread for you. And I'm going to help you. 
but you've got to make a step. It's up to you. If I can go back to the light illustration. Flashlight, what are the components? We have a bulb, and we have what? Batteries. The source of the light, right? Let's say that we're the bulb. Do I have any light as a bulb? Not really. I think I do. I think I have a source. It's me. I got, I got a source. Put it in here. I'm not going to test it out. I'm going to wait till it's dark. Things happen, and otherwise I can get along really well. It gets dark. Life comes along. Whatever. I press the button. What happens? Nothing. I have batteries in there. What's the problem? Anybody know? What? What's that? I had it backwards. So let's say that the source is God. My batteries. I charge these up because I don't have anything in me. I charge myself up with the word of God too. Now I decide I'm going to have God as my source. What happens? I have light. Can't do it on my own, folks, and you can't either. We need the source. Think about it today. You know, the song It Is Well, one of my favorite songs. If you only knew the circumstances, they mirror things that have been going on lately. And the man could pen those words after losing his daughters. I'm a dad of a daughter. It would kill me. Time is short, people. What do you need to do to get your life right with God? What do you need to do to get your life right with other people? Is there someone you need to talk to today? I never told my grandfather that I loved him and how much he accepted me. He never yelled at me, always patient with me. And I never told him I loved him before I died, before he died. And I am mad at myself. You need to think about that. Time is short. Think about your relationship with God. Think about your relationships with other people. You need to, you need to get that fixed. It's for your own good. And God is ready and willing and able to do that. In the last part of the chapter, he talks about when he comes back and when he makes everything right. There won't be any thorns or thistles anymore. There'll be no more dealing with that. Are you ready? I'm not here to scare you like some people might. I'm just telling you, you don't know what time you have left. Wouldn't it be better to not carry the load? Let Jesus help you carry the load. And when I forget that, things don't go well. I would like to sing one verse of a song that you know, a cappella, that I've been singing a lot lately. And when I start it, <laughs> I don't usually sing in public. So a little. 
I want you to stand up, please. And after I sing, the band's going to come up and do sing a song, and then young Paul is going to help dismiss us. And I want you to think about these words. I, I don't want to be in a hurry on the words, okay? I want you to think about the words, because it's written by a man who knew what it was like to chase the things of the world and then find the dissatisfaction with that. And he found God. He became a pastor, and he wrote these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your reckless love. And thank you that even when times are tough, we can say it is well with our soul because we have you as our source. Are we sad? Yes. Does everything go our way all the time? No. But you are always there. You're not going to chase us down. We need to come to you. And when we do find you, you are gracious to forgive us and to give us your Holy Spirit to help us every day. I pray, Lord, that this message and your words, that people would confess anything to you that they need to confess, knowing that you already know it. We're not telling you anything you don't already know. And that you're not going to yell at them. You're going to accept them. And if they're truly sorry, you will accept their prayer. There may be some restitution. Maybe we have to talk to some people and make some things right, do what we can. But, oh, how glorious it is when that happens. Help us, Lord, as a congregation to bear one another's burdens. We've done that. I would like for us to continue that. To build one another up and not tear one another down. To not have division, but to have unity in Christ. And it's not my will, Lord, but yours. Help us to think as we leave today about you, our relationship with you, and other people. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.